Oh my goodness, welcome everybody back to your favorite podcast, and my favorite podcast, honestly, The New Guys. This is River Butcher, one of the hosts uh, of this podcast, uh, joined as always by... Gabe Dunn, the other host of this <laughs> podcast. Hello. <laughs> Hello. How's it going, Gabe? It's okay. It's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm very. We're still striking, and that's right. I'm incredibly nervous about money, but we don't have to get into that here. Yeah, you have a whole other podcast about that. That's incredibly um, <laughs> true. How are you? I'm good. I do want to let everybody know uh, if they have noticed uh, my audio sounds a little different because. Uh, my batteries died in my usual recording. We are having some great recording issues lately on the new guys. So I appreciate everybody's patience. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to give you a heads up. It does sound a little different. Uh, next episode, it will be back to normal uh, or back to usual, I should say. Normal is not a great word. Wow. Um, speaking about the next episode, I know we're currently in this episode, but next episode is going to be just me and Gabe talking about the hit film of the summer barbie uh so look forward to that i know everybody's probably like why have they not talked about barbie yet it's because we're going to talk about it next episode what are we talking about this episode though gabe who's our guest we have a guest this episode yes i'm so excited our guest is sage rosenberg who is king femme on tiktok and instagram if you don't know sage is an incredible black queer jewish advocate um content creator and also just someone who I've had so many great like Instagram DM conversations with that I was like, we need to be having these in public. Yeah, it was a really wonderful conversation. I'm excited for everybody to uh, to hear it. It was a great time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what are what are we up to in this episode, this top of the episode? Okay, so I have two emails from listeners, uh, both with advice or, you know, I know you don't like to give advice with. with they're looking for advice. They're looking they're not for giving advice. advice. <laughs> and 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 I know you don't want to say advice. You want to, You always want to well, say, "I'll give you my thoughts and experiences." Yes, I mean, but you know, that's that's just my thing. You can say advice all you want. Sure, I'm, I'm not giving <laughs> advice. I'm actually telling you what you have to do. <laughs> that's right. So we have two different experiences of it. Right, and that's the point of the show. That is the point of the show. Also, I don't. I didn't read any of these emails up top, so they're as fresh to my ears as they are to your ears, listeners. Uh, just want to give that. I don't. I, nothing is is premeditated for me. Okay, Gabe. On the other hand, one hundred percent premeditated. <laughs> um, and then also, I did a. My activity is that I asked on my Instagram what people thought of before and afters for trans people, like before and after mm. photos, and I got a huge response. I mean, one of the biggest responses I've gotten to a question on my Instagram oh, wow. because. I personally don't like them. And okay. then uh, it was like, I mean, hundreds of you guys had opinions. <laughs> Should we do that one first and then do the let's do that one first? Because I think I, I do love just to say that our idea that, that we came up with to get into this podcast was like, we'll each do very specific activities. And we're already like, no, we're not doing that. Well, so this, this is was... a very because just because I don't think this is a gendered activity per no. se. So I want to say we've perhaps evolved past that which i think is great <laughs> yeah this is my i think it's just my trans activity of the week yeah yeah trans activity of the week my transaction of the week ah! uh, okay wait i love that can that officially be it that's what it is okay yes. <laughs> so my transaction of the week was finding out what everyone thinks about before and afters and before and afters specifically of trans people uh people who have medically undergone some sort of medical transition to i want to get 
real clear and specific mm-hmm. for everybody listening so they know exactly what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. Okay, cool. I personally do not like them because I don't mm-hmm. judge anyone who's posted one, but I don't like them because before I was medically transitioning, I felt ugly because I was like, I'm mm. the before picture. And everyone in the comments would be praising the after picture. And yeah, okay. I also felt like when I wasn't able to obtain the testosterone, whether that was because of problems with my insurance that kept me like seven, it took seven weeks for me to get it. But also there are people who can't afford to medically transition. And I under, and I feel Mm -hmm. personally like I don't like looking like a before picture. Now Mm. people agreed with me and also really disagreed with me. Uh Um, So some of the responses were, uh, As someone who's been on HRT for five years, I find them neutral, but early on it was inspirational to see. And those were sort of the people that some people were saying that it was inspirational and that's why I was not wrong, but that my opinion was it would be a different side to my opinion. And then some other people felt that it was okay for trans people to do of themselves and not okay for cis people to do. And someone wrote, I wish we could only show them to other trans people because fuck cis people being nosy. (laughs) So I also know that um, you then, well, after I did all of this, uh, you then posted a before and after of yourself. (laughs) I didn't know you were doing any of this. But I wanted, but this this is pure. On your Instagram? Yeah, it was on my Instagram. But this is pure, right? Because you didn't, you did it um, purely for your own, Uh, opinion and self so i'm curious what your opinion is (laughs) well here's the thing i did not post it as necessarily a before and after like i'll say this like i can see how it's interpreted that way like obviously like i'm not trying to be you know naive or whatever but when i post those when i post that like that is the first day that i took testosterone and the most recent day that I took testosterone. Okay. So in a way, it's not before and after because it's not, this is what I looked like before I took it. And this is what I look like after it is the first day and the most recent Got day, it. you know? Got it. And so that is what I posted. And I can't not have my own experience of my life, right. which is that I happen to be uh, a per- a public figure in a way. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody's a public figure in some way. We all live in public. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, but you and I but, are, we have fan bases. Y- yeah, and also I just have, uh, let's say, uh, a trail of images on Same. the internet, on television, on streaming services that I am I have zero control over. Me too. And so I have before and after images out in the world that I, I can't control. Right. So uh, I totally hear that your opinion is, I, I, I get that experience, you know? Um, but I also think people just want to share themselves. Yeah. You know? I and know. that's the way in which I, I look at it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I try to have a lot of love for like, it's hard for me to hear my voice uh, from old things. Mm-hmm. Like I, that is really hard for me. Um, like I was on a podcast where somebody just started playing it for me <gasps> once and I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. And it was like, I, it was like, like I just didn't. Whoa. And for them, like, well, you were on this podcast. And so it makes, you know, it just didn't. And I, I even asked for it to come down. It didn't come down. I'm just like, I'm leaving it alone. But 
So this is a very long winded way of saying like, I don't know. Yeah, I think I, I have a lot of stuff, right, images that I can't control. And some of it's a bummer. Like I have pictures from when I was uh, a woman with uh, Ariana Maddox from Vanderpump Rules and I wanted to show my support for her during the cheating scandal. But yeah. but I, I went back and forth because I was like, I don't want to post a, a photo of myself as a woman yeah. for my new friends, you know, like I don't want them to see me that way. Do you ever think of Photoshopping, like doing a, a ridiculously blatant Photoshop of your current face onto that face? Can I tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you a secret. It's not, a, it's not going to yep. be a secret. Um, there were some pictures that I really liked of myself that were taken about a week prior to top surgery and I wanted to post them and I Photoshopped uh -huh. my chest out of them. I mean, good for you. Yeah, I, I'm very, I'm not pro like changing images for Instagram, but I wanted to use the pictures and I and it was like, I don't know, taken like a week before. So there are some pictures go and look on my Instagram from December. There are some pictures where I have simply photoshopped my chest out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like that's the thing is like everybody this the 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 opinion I try to have and it has to include me that's the hardest part is that everybody gets to do what feels comfortable for them yeah you know every everybody cis trans gay straight whatever it is like you get to do what feels comfortable for you yeah. and I just get to like witness you and have my own experience of my judgments and criticisms and all that stuff and keep that to myself and do my own internal work of like, how, okay, right. <laughs> you know, like all these, all these buddies that I want to wish I wasn't, you know, like critical, judgmental, harsh, all that stuff, a cop, all those things. Uh, I get to be like, okay, I love you too. Yeah. Even though I don't want to be that, you know, <laughs> cause that was like the isolating yeah. thing that I was doing before is like, I wish I looked like that, you know? Right. And it's the thing where, I mean, how much is it, is it someone else's fault, how you're feeling? Like, it's not the right. other person's not. fault that they posted that and I felt bad about myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not your fault that you feel bad either. Right. Nobody's at fault is the thing. Right. You get to just have those feelings and, like, welcome them, you know? Yeah, and sit with them even though it's uncomfortable. And not even, like, what are you here to tell me? Just, like, I, you're here. Yeah. And also, <laughs> get in here. there's, you know? I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get in here feelings. Um, And also there's. Some people mentioned that it it indicates that you have to physically uh, change your body in order to be valid as a trans person. Mm -hmm. And I hear that as well. That was a, a big thing. So I just want to include that and say that there's no there's no uh, there's no ending conclusion to my transaction of the week. Um, it was yeah. just something that we got a lot of opinions on. I mean, literally it blew up my Instagram. I mean, that is, that is like the toughest one. And I know we got to do our next thing Yeah. and I don't want to invalidate that people feel that way, Yeah. but I, I do have to offer that it, it, that's not what it means. Yes. <laughs> like somebody, somebody's sharing. Cause like, I feel like we start to feel as though no one can do anything right. And it's like, being being trans, being non-binary is exactly the antithesis of that. Right. There is no right or wrong way to be transgender, transsexual, trans, right. like whatever it is, like non-binary. There is, that is, we, we exist as the antithesis to that, you know? And so as best as you can see someone else's posting their like transition and, and per perfectionism of that. Like, it means nothing for you. It means nothing for you. <laughs> but I just, if you're a cis person, I want you to think about not commenting, you look so good now. Yes, you can say. That's all. Uh, yes, I think that's a good thing to say to cis people. Like, 
comparing, even though we're comparing it. Yeah, maybe don't do that. <laughs> and I would say trans people don't say that to other people either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they got compared a bit to weight loss photos. And I don't know if it's one to one. But yeah, that's that's my opinion. And I'm sure we'll get an influx of other people's opinions after this episode. So let me know what you think. <laughs> we'll get to keep having the conversation. <laughs> okay. So this is an email from Liz. And I guess Liz understood your view of these emails, River, because they wrote advice slash perspective slash experience. <laughs> That's cool. Okay. Hi, Gabe and River. Thank you so much for starting the show. It's been really meaningful to watch both of your journeys and transitions and to learn from you both. And selfishly, it's come at a really good time for me personally. My name is Liz, they, them, agender, 30 years old. I came out as gay at 15 and I have never presented feminine or felt connected to womanhood, but only in the past few years have I begun to embrace not being cis. I got top surgery in November, like a week before you, Gabe, hashtag twinsies, and I'm likely starting tea soon. Something that I'm struggling with as I make the decision to further my physical transition is the fear of losing connection to my past self. I'm afraid of becoming unrecognizable to myself. I'm afraid of how it will feel to look back on memories and photos of a time where it felt like I was literally a different person. I imagine these feelings are in part because I'm not a binary trans person, nor someone who has experienced significant dysphoria. It's not that I'm particularly uncomfortable with who I am now. It's just that I think I could be more comfortable with the changes that T will bring. Is this something either of you can relate to with your transition? I imagine you dealt with something at least a little similar, given the fact that you both had careers before your transition. And there's myriad evidence of you pre-transition on the internet. How does it feel to look back on these things now? Do you have empathy for yourself? Does it make you uncomfortable? How do you incorporate all versions of yourself through all stages of your transition into your identity and your ability to appreciate your own past? Thank you both for reading, Liz. So we get into this a lot with Sage, actually, in the upcoming interview. So actually, Liz, you are right on time with this. <laughs> yeah, um, perfect. But I do want to say that I saw videos of myself from when I was pre quote unquote pre transition or whatever um, on my cameo because I'm trying to re redo my cameo and it doesn't let you take down uh, other people's videos like that. They've been like, Hey, this video is really good. And they put it up. So it doesn't let me take those down, which is a real bummer. But it, I really did feel like, who is she? <laughs> like I saw yeah, those yeah. videos and I was like, wow, who, who is she? Like she was really, um, doing it. And it felt like it wasn't me. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I mean, first of all, I also am thinking about getting back into cameo cause I got to pay my bills. Me too. Um, <laughs> Go so to our cameos. That was a great heads up for that. Um, but man, I just like resonate with so much of it. And also like, I'm, I, I guess I don't want to always pull everything out of gender, but it's like, I feel this way outside of my or or within my experience of transness i think it's a human experience mm -hmm. to be like wow i can't believe i used to do that or like you, you know what <laughs> so so i just want to offer that that we can all sort of have that experience i think as humans and i just remembered this that like a something that i as i was contemplating and accepting myself as trans and that like medical stuff might be something that i actually could have that i was it was possible for me I realized that I did not desperately did not want to age into an old woman. Me not too. From oh my societal, god. Me like, too. Truly, like I like not a societal like ugh god, but as myself, I had the realization: oh, my body might become even more feminine 
as I age. And I was like, oh, I hadn't considered that before. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and, I, and I had this strike of like future dysphoria that I was like, oh, I, I don't actually think I can deal with that. Yes. And uh, not from a vanity perspective, it was truly from like an experiential, like, I don't think I can deal with that kind of dysphoria because if I'm dealing with it now and it's this difficult, I think, I think it's possible that it might be harder for me, yes. you know? Um, and so that was something that really ha ha was a future thing <laughs> that I was like, Oh, I, I might need to consider this. Um, and so then in doing the things that I've done for myself, I have been able to have love, compassion, kindness, and acceptance for that little guy that I was before. And also the woman that I tried to be like, yeah. like you said, like, who is she? Like that, that she exists. She existed. She exists. Sometimes she comes back and is really angry. Yeah. You know, and I spend time with her and I'm just like, yeah, man. And I have tried to like, let her rest, you know, yeah. like death is like not, I don't necessarily need it in that sort of like scary ending way, but I just, in, in this sort of peaceful, like you can't, you're free now, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but sometimes she's like, I'm not ready to go. And I'm like, okay, dude, Yeah. <laughs> like whatever. Well, all right, let's hang out, you know? So I don't know if that answered the question directly, but that that's been my experience. I think it does because I think Liz is looking at this as worrying about the past, which you can't yes. do. So yeah, try can. to focus on the future. Try to focus on all the positive things that are going to come your way. I would say focus on right now. Okay. <laughs> also, but also I would offer like that. look forward to, yes, I would yes, say, yes. okay, focus on right now, but look forward to the future where. And possibility. Possibility. Yeah. And it's not, it's not a losing of an old self. It's yes. like looking it, it's looking for like how you know I similarly was like I don't want to I'm gonna have more dysphoria as I age and I and I don't know sometimes I worry that that was internalized sexism or that was internalized misogyny uh but I can't really I don't have time to grapple with that like is any of my dysphoria misogyny and it's like I don't know man yeah, probably, Pro probably some of it. but also probably a cis person shouldn't write a book about that uh, you know what I mean? Like there has been a lot of, I think, cis, uh, hemming and hawing over whether it's internalized misogyny and like, it's irrelevant in my opinion. Well, it's not like, it's not somebody else's experience to t like, so we've, so I've been talking about like, you know, welcoming all the, like there's a misogynist in everyone, right? Everyone has that in, in us. It's been put in there. And so like, once I accept that, I'm, I, once I accept that yeah. about myself, that that is in there, I was then able to see and begin to unwind, oh, it's, I'm not, because the misogynist was keeping me from accepting myself as a trans man, as a trans person, as I trans I can't be period. a man. I can't try to be mad. Yeah, totally. I can't be that thing. Totally. I have to be this other thing in pursuit of fairness in the world. Right. Like that is actually just a very twisted, you know, like messed up thing I know. that, that I, of, of a transphobic thing that I was then experiencing. I know. So like, yeah, is it present in all of it? Oh yeah. But I think what you're saying, Gabe is really important is that like, what was shocking to me was I have so much more acceptance of the past yes. in 
living in my present moment and accepting myself as trans and for you, Liz, accepting yourself as a gender and saying, these are the things that I would like to do moving forward. And then allowing that uh, possibility in now has allowed me to see and understand my past in with so much more kindness and tenderness and gentleness mm -hmm. that I did not expect, you know, like I didn't know that was going to happen. It just sort of happened. And to give that know? to myself in the future. That's what I'm looking towards. Yes. Um, okay, so I'm going to save the email, the next email for our next episode, uh, because it's about something totally different. So we'll save it for the next episode. Um, person listening, if you're like, where's my email? We'll save it for the next episode. And uh, and then let's just get into our interview with with Sage. Yeah, I think that's a great call. And thanks, Liz, for sending that in. And thanks, person that I don't know yet, for sending yours in for the future. And oh, should we let people know where they can send uh, questions, thoughts and things into? Yes. It's it's the new guys podcast, podcast at gmail.com. The new guys podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. You can also follow us at the new guys on Instagram. Yep. Please do that. And also leave an Apple review, leave a five-star Apple review for the podcast. Uh, some of you guys have left really lovely comments and DMS, and it would be amazing if you could post those publicly to Apple. That would be, yeah, incredible. we would love that. It would help. It would help us out tremendously. Yes, please do it. Um, and share this episode and share the podcast with your friends. Uh, I think that there have been some really wonderful conversations and we've gotten such overwhelming, wonderful feedback. Um, but make that feedback public if you wouldn't yeah, mind. That would be really helpful to us. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah. And now let's get into our interview with Sage. Hello. Uh, welcome to the new guys, Sage Rosenberg. Would you like to tell our audience who you are and what you do and also the name that you are famous for? <laughs> <laughs> the name that I'm famous for? Wow, now I'm going to blush. Okay, well, my name that I go by on a day-to-day -day is Sage Cassell Rosenberg, and then the name that people might know me by is King Femme. Um, my pronouns are they, he, in that order of preference. Um, I am located in South Florida, and... I am absolutely thrilled to be here because one, it's just so much fun being with other queer Jews. Like that's just something that like makes, it makes me quell. And for anyone who might not quell means, quell means like I am just over the moon. I am excited. I'm ecstatic. I can't just, can't wait to dive into things. But in general, in terms of what I do outside of my social media platform, which kind of ties into like a central theme of what it is that I love to do. And what it is that I love to do is talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, which in me being raised and living in Florida currently, there's much of a need for and a lot of a fight against. And in terms of talking about this idea of belonging, it's more that I love to create spaces, uh, start conversations where people can really explore themselves in the entirety of who they are, uh, not the edited version that they think is most digestible for others, but actually reflective of who they are as a person. And then on the flip side, I love to be able to educate allies on how they can be stronger, better, and most importantly, more knowledgeable on how they can be there for historically marginalized folks. So that's a really long way of saying. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that was an elevator pitch. Like, I feel like we went to, from the 20th floor to the lobby pretty, pretty effectively. <laughs> well, I thank you. I appreciate it. I yeah, do want to give, I would be amiss if I didn't mention like the fact that I did just get my dream job. So as a key also component of what I do is I currently work at Keshet, which is a Jewish nonprofit that focuses on just bettering the lives of LGBTQ Jews. Mm -hmm. And specifically, I'm now the program manager for Jews of color who are also LGBTQ. So essentially, I'm in my dream job. So now my little... <laughs> Congratulations. 
<laughs> Happy <laughs> Leo season in your dream job and, you know, okay. Venus retrograde. <laughs> I uh, I love Keshet. I've been familiar with Keshet for forever. Um, so when I saw you post about that, that was amazing. Also, I feel like, so like, I'm also a Jew from South Florida. Um, and there is this really, I found you, I think, from looking at stuff about Judaism uh, on this interview you did with Hey Alma. But I think like, I wanted to talk about like being in Florida as a trans person right now. I, I mean, I'm going to talk to you about a lot of stuff. I want to talk about Judaism. I want to talk about the non-binary conversation that we had in our Instagram DMs. I also am um, going to talk to you, but Gabe. Yeah. <laughs> At some point or another. At some we'll point. I know. I'm, this I'm Gentile fanboying. will get in there every now and then. <laughs> but I, so like right now uh, I'm debating like, do I go back and visit my family who's still there? What do I do? So how is it there right now, especially in the job that you're doing? So in terms of the job that I'm doing right now, it's something where there just feels like there's a hyper need for. Like I I think that I benefit from a lot of privileges that tend to have people not get upset with me. Like I do, I don't know how it happens, but like I have virtually like no internet hate. Like really, like I have videos that will do well, like within like uh, like over a million views or something like that. And obviously, within that, there is going to be some hate. But overall, I'm I don't. I, it's a lot of things where I try to unpack like what my personal privileges might be that are like causing people not to argue with me as much. But I always kind of say that I'm like the perfect trans black at list all of my identities person to offend because I'm just like really secure in the person that I am. So, but I'm also very motivated to do the work in the first place. So it's something where it's very like I'm kind of heartbroken being in Florida right now because this is where like I was I've lived here my entire life and it's some place that I kind of picture just staying in and it's kind of like uh this bittersweet where I feel like I'm mourning a state that like it's always been problematic not to at all like put like this like rose colored glasses over the state of Florida and say it's always been fantastic but it felt more livable mm. it felt more safe as a queer person and now I'm just kind of reflecting being like this is not like, yes, I have a lot of memories tied here, but it's not the same place that it used to be. I, I know that definitely for a lot of my trans fans, specifically who I'm friends with, it's it's just scary right now. It's like people can't safely use bathrooms like that they want to use. You have to there's like apps that people are looking at to like see like what's a trans friendly bathroom for them to use. And that's just so like it's something where also like the last few months, I feel like every single day I'm like waking up and being like, okay, what other rights do I no longer have? Mm -hmm. I mean, luckily, like organizations like the ACLU, like Keshet, like a lot of different people have done a lot of community mobilizations in order to kind of like confront these really like just oppressive and non-livable legislations that they're against trans folks. But like, it's it it feels like the work is never done and it can be in very, very exhausting. Well, you grew up Orthodox, right? In South Florida? I did. Yeah, I was raised a modern Orthodox, which as also before I even came out as trans, like I was very used to just being other because I was raised in like a very homogenous, pretty much just white community. And there was my family where my mom's black and my dad's white and they're both Jewish, which people are always like, which one is? And I'm like, both of them are. Uh, both of my family, like each side of my family is Jewish. Not that that 
should matter. Like, for instance, my husband, um, only one of his parents is Jewish, but because he's white, people are always like, oh, yeah, of course he's Jewish. And then they're like completely surprised that I am. Like we had this one time when we were in a store and this person started speaking to my husband in Hebrew because he wears a kippah. And my husband has a lot of lovely things about him, but he does not know Hebrew. I do because, again, I was raised modern Orthodox. So, you know, trying to help the situation a little bit, I start speaking in Hebrew back to this man. He then, again, in Hebrew, looks at my husband and says, oh, my God, you taught her Hebrew. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so much happening there. Wow. There's so much to unpack. There. That's kind of been like my experience overall is that like I feel like sometimes being like a Jew of color in like homogenous Ashkenazi white spaces, it made me feel like a tourist in my own religion. But it was weird because I didn't know anything besides being a religious Jew my entire life. So it was like, why am I not being treated like everyone else? Why do people always have to ask me, oh, I did. Oh, you know, Hebrew. Oh, you know, the, you know, the words to this song. I'm like, yeah, the one that I've been singing since I was born. Yes. A hundred percent. I know the words to this prayer. <laughs> There's just a lot of questions overall. <laughs> um, and so from that, do you think, do you feel like, cause I had this experience where I grew up also pretty Orthodox. What synagogue did you go to in, in South Florida? Um, I went to this really tiny, uh, hole in the wall. Um, what was it? Orchaim. So from, I ended up feeling, I was, grew up feeling so connected to it. And then by the time I was in high school and realizing that I was queer, I was like, fuck Judaism, fuck this. And then I slowly after college came back to it because I thought being queer meant that I couldn't also be Jewish. And I'm wondering if you had that experience too, and you, and if you had to sort of grapple with and then come back to it, or if you always felt like, no, I'm holding on to this for dear life because I'm a Jew of color and I'm used to it. I think that's probably closer to my experience to the latter. Um, it's something where I was raised very like within modern orthodoxy and all that, um, you know, wearing skirts and all that. I didn't try McDonald's till like the age of 18. Um, but I was very lucky with to have the parents that I do. My dad is, a, you know, an orthodox Jew with a white beard and the whole thing and with the cap. And yeah, it's and it's just also the sweetest LGBT ally ever mm -hmm. like he has made it because I think growing up it was something where we were very much taught that this is what we did but it was very much also like but when you get older you'll have to figure out how to make it your own I so that, that was the part where I struggled because again I the only reference I really had was the world of this pocket of Judaism that I was raised in and I started to associate that pocket with rejection. I started to associate it with racism, mm -hmm. with homophobia, with transphobia. And that was where I kind of started grappling with where it's like, okay, so I feel very like to this day, like I'm not a very spiritual person. That's just not something that like I'm feel like I don't feel called to, but I definitely identify as being very like heavily culturally Jewish. But it was just something where I struggled. I'm like, okay, well, I feel very tied to my Jewish identity. But where do I express myself within Judaism? Where right. do I find that sense of belonging within Judaism? Where do I finally feel like I'm not othered? Because even if it's not for being queer, like, again, just being a Jew of color, people are always very much like, are you supposed to be here? Yeah. And that is something where uh, for a long time, I wasn't sure if that existed. I thought that Jewish community for me would be, oh, we end up at a, a bar at a drag show. And then all of a sudden, one of my closest friends, we both figure out that we're Jewish. Right. And then that felt like a lot of how I was like, OK, so my Jewish community is just going to be like a collection like Pokemon. I've got to catch them all, <laughs> you know, within my local queer scene. I've got to find all the other fellow queer Jews. Um, but then it was something where um, through my husband, who was raised conservative, 
Um, it was something where we have been able to kind of, I also have been lately being hired a lot to talk about my experience in a lot of different synagogues and temples. And initially when I walked in these spaces, I just expected they were going to reject me and that it wasn't going to go well, that this was like a trap. But I keep on seeing that there are places within Judaism where I can be myself not ashamed. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I don't have to shrink. I don't have to hide. I don't have to try to make the most digestible version of myself that will never be fully digestible. And it's been such a, it, it's been very eye-opening to kind of let go of some of my bias about Judaism that I experienced from the pocket of Judaism that I was raised in right. versus knowing that like there are millions of Jews in the planet. The fact that we're all not going to be the same is highly likely. So the fact that I can find a community who will embrace me as me is also likely. It just takes a little bit of digging. <laughs> well, can I ask just for listeners who, who might not know, and, and also including myself, because uh, you said conservative and modern Orthodox, can you give me like the quickest rundown of the difference? <laughs> or like what, maybe not difference, but just like what each is kind of, you know? Definitely. So the quickest way I can explain it is um, it's something where uh, in within Judaism, it's kind of like a spectrum, but also just like separate denominations. Mm -hmm. So similar in Christianity where you have Catholicism, you have, you know, um, et cetera, whatever, Lutheran, yeah, Protestant, yeah. et cetera. And there's different cultural practices that happen there within each pocket. It's similar within Judaism, but then where some of the different differentiation might you might find that are most obvious is like how rigid the the expectations of what you're supposed to be doing what it means to be a quote-unquote good Jew what it means to be someone who's following the Torah and then that interpretation is what ends up being the difference being like oh well we're in modern times so I'm going to embrace some of the modern things we have while uh I would say like modern Orthodox and up, it's very focused on not assimilating to current culture mm. versus uh, uh, other pockets of Judaism where it's like we can assimilate to current culture and we can bring in Judaism within what's currently happening. So then conservative is the the latter or conservative, conservative is it's so confusing conservative is like <laughs> in the middle i would say oh, like that's middle. who okay. how i grew up and then mm -hmm. modern orthodox and orthodox are uh more uh by the book and yeah. then uh the literal book yeah <laughs> the actual, yeah by the literal book. book and for people that don't know like there's like ways of dressing like you were saying sage yes like, certain items of clothing there's um um certain levels of modesty ritual and uh why am I forgetting the specific word for uh, kosher? <laughs> like, kosher, yeah, co keep exactly. it kosher. Like it just the word was out of my mind. Um, also, uh, anybody interested in uh, representations in film, Disobedience is a great one to watch. I think if anybody's seen that one. Oh my god! <sighs> anyway, <laughs> we'll maybe come back to that off the air. <laughs> yeah, disobedience yeah. is wild. Um, yeah. But so then, and then there's like reform and reconstructionist, which I always uh, enjoyed going to the bar mitzvahs there because I was like, they're going to play the guitar and the tambourine. And that's literally <laughs> all I knew about those. There's likely to be a woman rabbi and we're going to have some instruments, baby. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. But back so, to what you were saying, Sage, I think, and sorry, Gabe, the, uh, the, the thing you were saying about, you know, like setting aside your own biases, I feel like it's just so important within uh obviously within like you know the sort of faith experiences faith groups because it is so like instrumental in uh whichever faith we're talking about like it can it all of them you know essentially we as as queer people um and people of color are constantly being set aside and and uh excluded but then what's wild is it's our experience of setting that aside 
that actual thing that really did happen that then allows for us to be a part of again, you know, like, and you're saying like, you can go in and out and it's like, Oh, I'm having this whole new experience of this thing I've always experienced, which I think is just like, so it's so incredible and powerful, you know, especially times like right now, like in South Florida where, um, you know, faith, supposedly faith-based organizations are pushing a lot of this legislation across the country. Right. Literally. But yeah, Gabe, you, I think you had a question you wanted to ask. Was oh, I was going to say, so yeah, I mean, re reworking it. And I think like Judaism, well, it was always this thing of like, well, Judaism isn't like right-wing Christianity. Like, you know, they don't, it's not, it's not anti-LGBTQ. Although I, growing up, I went to a day school and there was, I don't know if it's just because it was during the marriage equality debate, George W. Bush, whatever, but like Judaism wasn't this like, oh, wow, this is actually a safe haven for queer people. And this is different than right-wing Christianity. Like I think conservative and modern Orthodox Judaism was not the best, um, but uh, and at least in my experience. But I'm curious, like, I think a lot of what I grappled with, too, before realizing even that I was trans and, and mostly I think I threw it under the gay umbrella of realizing that I was bisexual, which now I think maybe has more to do with like some sort of bubbling transness for me is how gendered things are in Judaism, how when even when speaking Hebrew, things are very gendered. Um, it's a language where each inanimate object has a gender, whereas in uh, English, not so much. And then, you know, you you mentioned in the interview that I read uh, for you where you're you said your parents do the prayer over child, their children and, uh, and there's a prayer for sons and there's a prayer for daughters and that your parents combined those. Or, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's like prayers that are for women and prayers that are for men and women sit in the back and men sit in the front and this kind of thing. So, like, how can you give like other examples or like how how you've been able to sort of deal with how gendered Judaism is in a way? And do you think that that's changing? So I I think that it is indeed changing what people are seeing, because even uh, this is uh, sometimes a fact that not everyone knows. But within Judaism, we know we have our rites of passage, like in terms of like bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah. Bat mitzvah is not something that always would, existed in terms of a celebration. It used to be something where it was just a bar mitzvah. And now we see with and it was something where that was considered very modern. And people who were more traditional were like, oh, this is not right. This is not OK. Because but women, now, women were going through the ritual of turning 13 and becoming mm -hmm. a part of the community. Before that, women did not turn 13. They were yes, just forever. It did not happen. It did not skip happen. the age. Before <laughs> that, it's like an elevator with bad luck. Women just never turned 13. Yeah, there was <laughs> but there was this this influx once it became uh women were able to do those rituals and become part of the community the way that men were i mean my mom had her bat mitzvah when she was 40 because all of these women from this like boomer generation were not um were not experiencing like we're not able to go through that so then there was this influx at my synagogue of women like having their late bar mitzvahs so anyway just to explain to the average I person but then yeah so so go on and explain a little bit more Definitely. So in terms of that, like what we're seeing, it's that it's constantly evolving, but people forget that Judaism has constantly evolved. Right. Like how we are doing things now, or in terms of like, uh, I'm just going to point to the very, like your very traditional Orthodox person, how they dress now. That's not always how it was constantly dressing. There's this constant evolution that's always happening. Um, in terms of like what that means for me is that I think that because things are just naturally evolving, I think it makes sense that people get to decide what that looks like for yourself. 
for instance, yes, I was raised uh, doing things a lot differently than like, you know, like don't tell my bubby, but I eat bacon now. I love bacon. Bacon's great. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? It's fabulous. Uh, it goes great with pancakes. But anyways, so it's something where, but that doesn't mean that just because I'm eating this piece of bacon, I'm no longer a Jewish person. Right. Right. It means I have let go of a tradition or a rule, however we want to classify it, that I used to do, but that doesn't negate the fact that I still am a Jewish person. Mm -hmm. So that is kind of like the scope of like, I have a tattooed on my chest, but it's literally just says create yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's like kind of like my, that's my uh, North star for when I'm doing anything. So for instance, like when I got married, like I, it was, it's very interesting kind of like creating uh, like a wedding in general and wanting to incorporate very like, traditional things like again like people wearing white people wearing suits people doing this like it's a lot of things that were kind of hand me down but as queer people specifically we've had to learn like okay so we don't just have like a bride or groom or pmbb we do maybe right. we don't whatever that is that it looks like but we get to decide what those components are in order to best reflect us as people right so i had a very traditional non-traditional jewish wedding you know i got married under a chuppah which is this canopy that jews have while they're getting married that they stand underneath um and there was a lot of different things with the ceremony that we kind of changed. So in Judaism, uh, the bride and groom are referred to as the chassan and kala, right? The bride and groom in Hebrew. Um, but obviously for us, as me being a non-binary person, we didn't have a kala, which is means bride. Mm -hmm. So we had to together figure out like, okay, so what are we going to be called? And we decided, okay, when we are under our chuppah, under the can uh, canopy that we got married in, instead of being called the chassan and kala, which is bride and groom, we were the besherets, which just uh. means the soulmates, mm -hmm. right? That's the, There's this entire concept of Judaism that, like, you know, you actually have seven soulmates and not every single one you end up supposed to be with. It's not something where they end up being your forever romantic partner. It could be someone who you don't even have a romantic relationship with, but it's just someone that you're supposed to meet. And they're supposed to just bring you to this place of, like, fulfilledness and like on your proper journey and we just thought that it was such a beautiful thing this idea of being like our love being kismet and so that was the title fate. that we went kismet by is fate kismet is fate exactly of just being fate and that was something where again it is a traditional word that actually is used within judaism to share it there's an entire like theologies built off of it as a concept but we it hadn't been applied like within like the scope of what is typically said under, you know, like, uh, in, within the ceremonial stuff that you do during a Jewish wedding. But I was like, OK, this is a historic word and it applies perfectly to who I am. So, yes, I'm not doing things in the way that I was raised or that anyone else might be doing, but it is reflected of me. And it's very reflective of the fact that I am a queer Jewish person. I love you know, that. it's. I just I know that so much of who I am is the intersection of many different identities and diverse cultures. And I never want to have to shrink one of it. It's not like, oh, um, I'm a black person before I'm a queer person or I'm a Jewish person before I'm a queer person or any of that. I am all of those things at the exact same time. There's not an order of I have to mm -hmm. be here first for this community. I have to be here for this community, this one, because I think when people think things like that, like it just kind of erases the intersection that's commonly had. Like, for instance, I can be like during BLM, I can be there for my black brothers and sisters and also remember that my black brothers and sisters could also be queer, mm -hmm. that there's complexities within that that ends up either having people at more of a disadvantage or an advantage within society that needs to be recognized. And that's why I'm so thrilled to be able to do the work that I'm going to be doing with Kesha, because I think that this is not like 
when I tell people, I'm like, oh, I'm the program manager for queer Jews of color. And then a lot of people have said, there's more than one of you. (laughs) (laughs) And while I understand that, I personally haven't met many other people like me. And I'm loving that in this job, I'm meeting so many. But the thing is, while we are having more attention of having these conversations, there's more knowledge that someone like me can exist. This is not a new need. It's a historic need. You know what I mean? There have always been queer Jews. There have always been Jews of color. There have always been just queer people in in general, or all of these identities all at once or separately or however you want to kind of mash it up. It has always existed. And there has always been a need for these conversations, these resources and these events to exist so people can just feel like they're coming into a space that's not going to hold any part of who they are against them. You know, Uh, I love that. That's so beautiful. And it kind of goes with uh, my next topic for you, which you also brought up uh, in the beginning, you said your pronouns are they, he in that order of preference. And what we started talking about in Instagram DM uh, was something that I really related to and that my boyfriend relates to a lot. And we, he and I have these conversations privately. So it was amazing to see you talk about it publicly is this idea that uh, non-binary is somehow at odds with medical transition. So you were talking about, you know, having top surgery, going on T, but people assuming that your pronouns are he or people uh, assuming that you are trying to achieve some sort of binary gender by having medically transitioned and that there's no way that you could actually be non-binary and be making these moves. Um, So can you talk a little bit about where that thought came from and like what that TikTok was about? Because this is a topic that people often accuse, I think, people who are taking steps to medically transition, I say, quote unquote, accuse, but accuse of, oh, you're just trying to be cis when um, and then erase that person's non-binary identity. Yeah, no, it's it's such an interesting thing. And I think that uh, my experience and I, I, through conversation, I've found that it's many non-binary people who do choose to medically transitions experience where there's this kind of like initial confusion if you're allowed to transition <laughs> right like you know what I mean like I just I remember thinking that like or even allowed to call myself trans like there's multiple steps like through me realizing that I was not a cis person and just like not a woman right specifically just not a woman like at the <laughs> center of all of it let's kind of emphasize that um I initially was just like okay well I'm not I don't want to be a man so do I get to call myself trans and then eventually I was like yeah of course I get to call myself trans I guess I'm a non-binary person I am not cis so I get to call myself trans if that's how I feel and then the further I've kind of gotten more comfortable with it, I kept on wanting to transition, but felt like I didn't have the right to, for whatever reason, that I wasn't somehow allowed to, that it didn't fit in with who I would tell people, that people would get confused. And I think that's something that, unfortunately, like I do care a lot about other people's perception of uh, me, even though uh, people are like, oh, you seem so confident. It's like, yeah, I am confident enough in the person I am to show up as the person I as I am. But that doesn't mean that I'm not constantly thinking about how other people are perceiving me. Yeah, welcome to being a human being, unfortunately. <laughs> you know? Right? <laughs> literally, literally. Well, the plight of humanity. I'm so transitioned, yet I'm still a human, unfortunately. <laughs> I still think no, and literally. care about what I think people think I look like to them, you know? Exactly that. And it was, it's just something where I was just so confused and not sure if it was transitioning was the right step for me. 
And it's something where I also think, you know, like, obviously I'm 25 years old, so I'm not going to act like I'm like this ancient person. But when I did initially come out, like when I come out, like again, like about like eight, seven or eight years ago, and before that finding people who were trans, all I was hearing kind of was this rhetoric of I was born in the wrong body. So mm-hmm. this is what I did. And I completely understand and I value and I just appreciate that that's uh, something that people are expressed to me so I better understand them. But that's not my experience. I don't view myself as being born in the wrong body. I view myself as being born in the right body that I just need to make some customizations Mm -hmm. (laughs) in order to feel like it was my body. Yeah, that Um, was always something that I, you know, I I, being a little bit older, I feel like I just heard that even longer. You know, it's like not (laughs) that that different, but that was such a, and you know, it's some people's experience and it was the sort of transsexual experience of, you know, we're ha- I'm having a sex change operation and mm-hmm. I'm changing my sex and I'm, you know, um, into the opposite thing or whatever. And I, my experience, even though I find myself to be a little more of a, a binary trans person at this point, I, my insides are still non-binary, you know, but um, like what I resonate with more is like, I, I wasn't necessarily born into the wrong body. I was born into a society that doesn't understand my body and that I need to, like you said, make some changes to it. Cause it's like, and then I remember saying that to a person and they said, Oh, so if society was different, you wouldn't need surgery. And I was like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. It's like, it's just so wild. The sort of, and I don't, you know, that person is that person. It's like, they're going through their same thing, but I, I, I'm just, as you're speaking and sharing, I'm just like, what you were talking about intersectionality before, how people like assume there's no, you know, black queer Jews, you know, like I didn't know there were any of this. And it's like how I sort of perceive people when you say trans people, they think white people or like gay people, white people, you know, it's like when you when you say and then when you start talking about gender, it's like, well, I'm not a woman, so you must be a man. You know, it's like right. people just can't the the yeah. not a Rube Goldberg machine in their brain where they go like, well, maybe I'll just watch the thing happen as opposed to, or, or just go, Oh, okay. Interesting. You know? Yeah. It's like, it's like putting aside that, like, I love that you added that. Cause like putting aside that unconscious bias, yes. like this, cause what unconscious bias is, is essentially um, it's something where your brain needs to make shortcuts because if you had to perceive and interpret every single thing that you're seeing, <laughs> it would be just overload. So your brain just goes ahead and says, Oh, someone looks like this. Like for instance, they might see a femme person with long hair woman they might see a short person with that they're like okay that is a man that's unconscious bias where your brain's just like making these knee-jerk reaction where it's like okay it must be this but that's where people end up losing the nuances of what it's like to just be a human right. who if is just making again going back just being a human means making decisions that best reflect who you are as a person and it sounds like for all of us that was just physically transitioning yeah. right. like it's something where i i did grapple a lot with trying to figure out how to like express to people that I want essentially to be perceived as a binary male within society by cis people. But like internally, that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that I'm any less non-binary. But I think for me that I've talked about this with friends, it was like, oh, if I was born uh, like assigned instead of being AFAB, assigned female at birth, I was AMAB, assigned male at birth. I think I still would have just taken estrogen. Like, I don't think there's a version of me (laughs) that would have have just, because I view kind of like, okay, if I'm going to live in a binary society, and again, talking about the fact that like, yes, hypothetically speaking, a society where this doesn't (laughs) exist, I I don't know what I would have done, but because I was born in this, yeah, 
horrid that we're all experiencing currently. Because that person is not trying to have that experience. You know what I mean? Like the person who's presenting it is not having that experience themselves of that mm -hmm. rhetorical society. Because if they did, they would go, oh, interesting. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm exactly. saying? It's like, it if, just... if they could perhaps touch at that, you know, and I just offer that to anybody listening because it's like, it's it's again about us and how different we are and like well if then you wouldn't have to and it's like i get to man i get to do this stuff like what you're saying it's like i i would probably take estrogen because it's like i want to have this experience you know you want exactly to that the uh soulmate experience and because to me like look in the in the sort of like faith-based stuff my my perception of most religions is that the male and female stuff in all of it is actually like an allegory for other things. It doesn't actually mean men and women. It means mm. the whole of a human being that mm, we each contain both, which then makes a third thing, you know, which mm -hmm. is each person, you know, so it's not even, it's a pole rather than a binary. And we each contain both in different spectrums, you know? So that's what's interesting to me about what you're saying is like it regardless i would still be this you know like like you guys want to you guys want to try to change everything to make me not be this and i understand that it's coming from like a place of trying to understand but the understanding is going oh okay <laughs> you know? No, no, actually as you're talking i feel like what i'm remembering like what i'm thinking of when we were talking about this it's kind of like that tiktok trend where it's like would you still love me if i was a worm it's like yeah. <laughs> Like, you're not a worm. I don't know how we would have met and <laughs> fallen in love initially yeah, yeah. if you had been a worm. Yeah. So it's just like these crazy hypotheticals where I'm like, I don't know. Like, mm -hmm. what if I had my hands as feet? Like, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Would I still want to walk around? Like, yeah. who knows? But what I do know is that, like, just physically, this has allowed me to feel like myself. Right. Yeah. And that's, mm -hmm. that's all that needs to make sense. Like, I always say, like, you only have to make sense to yourself. And sometimes, you know, we're still figuring that out. We don't have to completely have all the pieces together, but just do what makes you feel comfortable. Like, I, I just know that like being read as male, like it's comforting for me because I'm not being read as female. And that feels like for me, even though, cause I know in my brain, they're like making the mistake of thinking that I am a man. But like the fact that that's so far from when I was born feels so close to passing as non-binary in society. Like mm -hmm. someone's misgendering me as the gender I was not born as. Like sure. that just <laughs> like that just feels very non-binary to me and it just sits well and I just feel comfy like yeah. I'm good I'm vibing <laughs> yeah it's very much uh it's it's very much like this idea of customization that really resonated with me that I think cis people if we could get them to understand like you get boob jobs you get nose jobs you get tattoos you die literally your hair. every single medical transitional product let me use a very i would not usually use that word but every process every product that we as trans people whether we're non-binary trans it's all the same stuff as far as i'm concerned in this word all of those processes all of those products were designed and created with cisgender people in mind my cis brother <laughs> takes testosterone that's my right like puberty blockers were designed for cisgender girls for early onset puberty right. for good reason <laughs> like it's, right. it's probably good for a seven-year-old to not start menstruating and we right. live in a time where we have that possibility you know like it's that's great and guess what it gets to help other people too you know right yeah. so i feel like yeah i feel like there's this mistake where people think that 
non-binary means androgynous and you have to be right down the (laughs) middle and you have to be androgynous and you can't have, you know, for people who can't see you, um, Sage has facial hair, you know, like there's this idea that I think we're going for the quickest way to not get misgendered. Mm -hmm. You're still getting misgendered, but the quickest way, as you put it, to get misgendered in the right way, I guess. (laughs) Like in the comforting way, like yeah, <laughs> like it just I mean, it's, it, it's almost like you know, it's in a way the misgendering and the gendering is like right next to each other, you know, yeah. like, well, or at least what I'm what I'm getting from what you're you're trying to say, and it's also like this the the thing the the part of the born in the wrong body that does resonate with me is like. I don't think I was born in the wrong body. It just changed in a way that I was like not prepared for. And then I needed to make changes like you were saying. And like now the outsides for everybody else line up with what the insides have always been, you Mm -hmm. know, like my, my insides have not been different, you know? And, and so eh, the born in the wrong bodies. And now it's like, sounds like I'm saying that exactly that, but it just never felt that like, distinct i guess because it's been an experience as well and each like you're saying sage it's like it's it's a con it's on a continuum like none of this stuff is like static i'm different when i mean i have the thing now like i like to use he him pronouns specifically um and i get they them constantly i was gonna say and and like no matter what and i'm just like no 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 he him and they're like "Uh uh-huh they were just saying to me and i'm like oh that's not what i said yeah but it's also like okay you know yeah (laughs) No, I feel like I also feel like people forget that they them using they them pronouns can also be misgendering someone. I think yeah. people think that it's like this like legal loophole to misgendering is exclusively using they them pronouns. But the thing is, if someone doesn't use they them pronouns, then that's misgendering them because yeah, yeah. that the, what misgendering is, is using the wrong pronouns for someone or referring to someone within a gender spectrum that they don't yeah. exist in or or once, you know, yeah, exactly. Like, unless cool, you know, you use it ahead of time and then you're like, no, this is what I use. And then, yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And I think it, I don't know, it's, I find pronouns in general, just kind of frustrating, like not in the, not to get canceled, like not in the sense of like using other people, like to clarify, uh, not for using other people's pronouns, a hundred percent. But like, for me personally, like it feels like an, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like someone asked my pronouns and it's like, Eh, I guess if you're asking, um, they're they and then he and the he is just kind of slapped on because so many people call me he him now that I'm just like, I don't have the energy to correct them and let them know I'm non-binary. So I'm okay with it. So I kind of just like included it in just out of laziness. I'm mm-hmm. like, if I'm being honest, I'm like, some of my pronouns are just out of laziness. I'm not in the mood to have the conversation. <laughs> and I'm also just aware that like, yes, we live in a society where apparently I need to use pronouns. So then I'm just like, okay, these ones closest are the closest to kind of reflecting who I am. So if you need to use them, these are the ones I use. Yeah, mine are just a shorthand. Like I've started doing he, they, but mostly using he because I think that's the quickest way at this point where I I think I'm sort of in some sort of weird middle ground where some people are like, that's a boy. And some people are like, I don't know what that is. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and so like the he has become the quickest shorthand, like this will get me at least to part way <laughs> to the, to partially what I'm trying to accomplish here. Uh, and then, you know, also when you're in spaces with cis people, that's the quickest way for them to see you correctly versus, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because it, it, it should be, 
it is that, that the customizations happen where cis people are like, we need to see you as he or we need to see you as she. And mm. I think that, you know, also there's people that are androgynous who are like, or non-binary who use she or he, and they still identify as non-binary. And I think that there's this weird rush to be like, you're binary. And then also this, <laughs> this, um, you know, and I, and I love and appreciate the, the shirts that are like, I don't want to be or look cis totally, <laughs> but we've somehow placed that above just trying to like get the, the she or the he that we're looking for mm -hmm. as like a moral judgment. Does that make sense? No, no, no. I get that completely. Cause I also have that where like commonly I'm just like, use he if they like it's, it's something where like it feels like a shortcut option sometimes and yeah. i don't know why i feel like this need to like cater to, to cis people that's sure. something like i'm working on like just in general getting better at realizing that like no i can advocate for the pronouns that i actually prefer in the order that i prefer them in like for instance when i say that it's they he in that order of preference like i want to start being able to have more confidence and being able to have those conversations with cis people because sometimes i'm like so worried and cognizant of the fact that I don't want to be like the ones they see on TikTok and then I'm like mm -hmm. oh that's internalized transphobia mm -hmm. that is exactly what is happening right now I'm trying to be like no I'm not like this those ones I'm like this other kind yeah. that like you can actually agree with and I'm really really working I think it comes down just to me being a people pleaser but I also do know the like impact of what it is is me just perpetuating a lot of transphobia without meaning to which is just not giving like actually educating people and correcting them yeah. on what is it, like misinformation or just wrong. And even though maybe it makes me feel anxious that they might not like me, well, that means that they really wouldn't like me because that's mm -hmm. the person I actually am. Me explaining that, yes, I am a non-binary person, not a trans male, not F to M, who's on hormones and has top surgery, even though it's easier for me to sometimes just say I'm a trans man, I'm mm -hmm. a trans boy. I'm realizing that it's like, why, like I, if they would look at me weirdly because I'm non-binary, that means that they would just look at me weirdly. Yeah. This other version of myself that I'm crafting for them, it's just a persona. It's not me. If I'm telling someone that I'm a trans male, if, that I'm just a guy, that's me. Like, it's it's just not truthful. And it's, yeah. it's, I'm really trying to work harder on like allowing myself to silence my own inner critic, my own inner police, my own inner transphobic narrative that I have running back and forth that like can dictate sometimes how I act and how I express myself. And just realizing that like, I deserve to be seen as myself essentially and advocate for that. And I would love for that to happen within trans people too. I feel like it's not just cis people. I want to like be clear that I see it happening within trans people as well. This creation of a hierarchy within the trans community of who uh, who is like, you're just trying to be cis, so fuck you. Oh, you're actually non-binary. Oh, if you're a non-binary person, but you've, you know, you have a facial hair, like you're trying to please these, like within transness, we're policing each other, which I would love, I would love for that to end. Literally. <laughs> I mean, uh, ACAB, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, literally, like silencing... <laughs> Silencing your inner cop, a hundred percent ACAB, a hundred percent. I mean, for me, the experience of that, because I, the thing is too, like, this is a, you know, trans uh, non-binary specific podcast, but that it is, uh, I literally having an experience with this, so I'm just going to share it, is that like, I want to avoid those things, you know, the, 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 the cop in my head, the fascist in my head. And it's like, 
what I the work I actually have to do is going like, okay, you're here. You know, okay, you're here, you know, you're here. And like acting as though it, there isn't one is, is actually keeping it in there more, you know, Yeah. in my experience. And like the, the people pleasing stuff is so deadly yes. and it killed me for years because like mm -hmm. the reality is, is like, who's actually being pleased? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't actually know that the pretzel I, I twisted myself into for years and can continue to that people actually care like that. Like, I don't know that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't actually know that. It's just what I think, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's just literally my thoughts. And so like, it's, it's true Sage that once I, uh, you know, live my, and it's often living my truth is uh, not even saying a word, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just like being there for it as opposed to like, well, how do I twist around this thing and get this person, you know, but it's, it's also such a human experience. And I don't, I don't think it ever like goes away, but we get to have like a new relationship to it. Yeah. And we can constantly challenge it too. That's why it's important yeah. to to know that we do it to each other as trans people. Mm -hmm. And so we have to shake it out of our minds, I think. Yeah. And I also think practicing non-hierarchy uh, in everything is really important now. You know, like I think non-hierarchical experience is like, <laughs> I, I like this sounds hyperbolic, but could save the planet. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like it's like non-hierarchical language, non-hierarchical relationship, like is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important, you know, because I feel like it's an essential nature of in patriarchy, racism, classism. Right. What is all those things if not a hierarchy, you know? hundred <laughs> percent. And I think these like hierarchies, because we can end up being placed in them because like, uh, for instance, like I, I am definitely very aware that I am one of those trans people that is placed like higher up in the hierarchy in terms of representation. And this could be because of the way I look, the way that my body is, the level of education I have, how I express my points, all these things is so rooted in the fact that they're like, okay, this trans person specifically is what we want the outside world to think we all look right. like. Because I think it's a lot of that where it's kind of like, see, like sometimes when people retweet it or like saying it, they're like, see, this is exactly how I want to. It's it's something where I'm very aware that I hold a lot of privilege because people will find pieces of how I've transitioned to be like the like mood board for what they want. <laughs> and also like, oh, yeah, see this way, because people react favorably to Sage, this must be a good representation of trans people. And I think it's just super important to realize that within this hierarchy that we're talking about, that placing people on a hierarchy where this person gets the most amount of exposure ends up making it where other people don't might not know that there's other ways to mm -hmm. be trans. Yes. They might not know, like, for instance, you end up erasing people being able to learn more, you end up erasing people being able to see how expansive and diverse a community can be. And then I think that would take away more of that confusion. Like we're talking about the fact that people are like, you must be binary then. It's because mostly binary trans people are at the top of this hierarchy. And then it just keeps on going down the list until all the way at the bottom. It's just people think that that's not the real version. Mm -hmm. Like they must be doing it incorrectly because the only version I've ever seen is within this hierarchy of desirability within the trans community. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, so if they're not doing it, if they're doing it this way, this must be incorrect because I've only seen it be done this way. So kind of just like abolishing the hierarchy. <laughs> so again, saving the planet, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think it would just really be beneficial for more people to realize that like, because then it ends up creating also unattainable goals right. for transitioning. 
And I think that then people are very hard on themselves for what they end up looking like transitioning because it's not with these like unattainable goals that they had or based off of these like societally decided perfect versions of what it means to be trans. And I think it erases the fact that there's so many ways to Mm -hmm. be looked, sound and act, whatever that means, trans. And I think there's just so much room for more people if we just kind of abolish the hierarchy. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, and it doesn't, and it doesn't mean put different people at top at the top. It means <laughs> right. not have one. Yeah, it means uh, acknowledging that there actually isn't one. Right. You know, even though yeah. there's a perception of one, it yeah. actually doesn't exist. <laughs> because for <laughs> me, you know, doing the transition things that I did do, uh, I didn't. I was, I, and I share this to offer to other people that like I didn't actually do it because I thought on the other end of it would be the thing. Like what I I came to myself and accepted that and said, I think I need this. And there then the results on the other end, uh, I wasn't I wasn't then hanging my acceptance on what happened after. Mm, and like mm-hmm. what that allowed for me and in my experience was for the results to be a lot less narrow. <laughs> it was like way more vast. And I was get offered like I like specifically I had no idea how much I had like actually like um blacked out or like I should say not blacked out I should say negated uh uh my chest like it was yeah. like it I didn't realize how much it didn't exist until it was gone right. which is like mm-hmm. kind of wild math to consider you know of like well that doesn't make sense like it's gone and now you realize and but it was like once it was removed I had I was like oh I have the, my whole space back because I had uh, blanked it out of my experience, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is just like a wild. And I, I, I didn't think that was going to happen, you know, <laughs> but it was because I was like, oh, I, I accept who I am. And now I'm going to do this, you know, I love that. It's just about being, having non-conditional, like unconditional love for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is still uh, an everyday practice. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, well, Sage, I'm obsessed with you. Where can people find you <laughs> and more of your work and um, and read and watch everything that you do? Certainly. Okay, little media plug. Here we go. Okay, so the usernames that you can find me at, it's KingFem on all social media platforms. If you are interested in learning more about the work that I do for queer Jews of color specifically, feel free to check out Keshet LGBT Jews on Instagram. You can also check out the website, which is keshetonline.org. And yeah, that's where you can find me. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Sage. Of course. Thanks for listening. You can email us at thenewguyspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at thenewguyspod. This podcast is edited and produced by Logan Castrodali, music by Atlas Bishop, and art by Maya Scarpa. Thank you.